Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Today's message is titled, you know what, hold on. Before I give you the title, can I just tell you a funny story? You know, it's been a while since I preached, you know, more than a month actually. We've been highlighting different preachers, different ex-church coordinators. And of course, you know, last two weeks, we've just been so blessed by Pastor Kenneth. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't rush into it. I'm going to learn to pace myself. Let me start with a funny story. You know, recently, um, you know, Pastor Kenneth, uh, bought a bottle of Coke. Uh, we were just having, you know, a typical week. We were just writing groceries. Uh, and uh, that particular, I think it was a Friday night, we were thinking, hey, why don't we, uh, you know, it's the end of the week. Let's do something a little bit special. And uh, so let's let's eat some lamb chops. And so we were preparing. I was like, you know, marinating some lamb chops and preparing some mash by the side and vegetables. And we just wanted to have some, you know, good old-fashioned lamb chops with potato and veg. And uh, Pastor Cat thought that it would be uh, a good, you know, uh, good to have Coke. Uh, to Coca-Cola to kind of like go with the meal and cut through maybe the fattiness of that lamb. And so she saw what she thought was Coke and she grabbed a bottle of it. And, uh, you know, I prepared a dinner. And uh, as we sat down, ready to tuck in, ready to say our grace, uh, she went to the fridge and grabbed the Coke. And as she opened it, she said, uh-oh, I just realized I didn't buy Coca-Cola. I bought cherry Coke. Now, for those of you who are watching and you don't know the difference between cherry Coke and Coca-Cola, let me just tell you, that's a huge difference, okay? If you don't believe me, you can go out after this and have a taste and you, you tell me, okay? But basically, a cherry Coke, and, and, and you know, unlike normal Coca-Cola, which tastes delicious, um, cherry Coke, and you know, don't hate me if there's some cherry Coke lovers out there, or maybe even Dr. Pepper lovers out there, but cherry Coke tastes like Dr. Pepper. It tastes like cough syrup. And so we open it and I thought, you know what? You know, since you bought it, let me just let me just try. You know, how bad, right? How bad can cherry coke be? And I know in the back of my mind, I was like, it tastes like cough syrup, Dave. But I was thinking, oh, maybe my taste buds have, have adapted. Maybe it's been some years. Maybe it's not that bad. Maybe they changed the recipe. And I poured myself a glass and I took a sip and my face just curled up. And I was like, oh, it still tastes like cough syrup. And then we decided, okay, maybe, maybe we'll just have water. You know? And so dinner was still good. But it doesn't change the fact that there was a bottle of cherry coke left in the fridge. Now, for some of you who know me, you know that I've got a bad habit. I think it's a good habit. You know, I've shared this before. I don't like to see things go to waste. Uh, and this is reflected in, in the way I do ministry. I, I, I hate it when I see people kind of like, you know, waste their potential away. And I'm especially uh, uh, upset when I see people waste food or, or if I accidentally, you know, waste food, you know, whether it's an accident by spilling stuff on the floor. And I get really mad at myself. But anyway, uh, I don't like to see things go to waste. So... After a while, I thought, you know what? You know, I've got two options. I can either pour the cherry coke away or just chuck it away, but that will be such a waste. Why don't I try to finish it? I know it tastes yucky, but let me try drinking it bit by bit 
every maybe day. And so that's what I did a couple of weeks ago. I was like pouring myself a cup every time I had dinner. I'm like, oh, maybe just a little bit, just a little bit. And I drank and it's like, it's all cough syrup. Oh, why would people mix cough syrup and Coca-Cola? And then the next day I drank it and go like, oh, it still tastes like cough syrup. And third day I was like, you know what? Cough syrup is not that bad. And then the fourth day I, 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 I began to kind of like, you know what, I think I can get used to this. Yeah, I can taste the cherry notes. And then by the fifth day, I was like, hey, I think I can finish the whole bottle. And by the sixth day, I was thinking, oh, cherry coke's not so bad. Cherry coke is bad, guys. But what is the point of this weird story? The point of this weird story is, and, it, and, and hang in there, it ties in with my message today, is that, no matter how bad the situation is, no matter how horrible, no matter how dissatisfied we were, the thing about the human nature is our ability to adapt. And it can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing because unknowingly we can also adapt to things that we have no business adapting to. And what happened to me was that I had no business adapting to cherry coke, but eventually I went like, oh, I, I think I like cherry coke and then the lord spoke to me and began to burp this message out and so let me get into the more serious stuff now if you're taking down notes the topic for today's message is called stockholm syndrome stockholm syndrome now just in case some of you are thinking what is that big word well let me explain to you stockholm syndrome is this psychological phenomena where victims uh, form a, a connection, a bond, usually sympathetic and in agreement with their captors and their abusers and their kidnappers. And this is named the Stockholm Syndrome because it happened, uh, you know, the most famous case of it happened in Stockholm, in Denmark. And what had happened was there was a bank robbery and people had been taken hostage. And, and what happened is that eventually the hostages started to sympathize more with the kidnappers, sympathize more with the robbers. Uh, and instead of wanting to be let go, they began to join the robbers as they went around uh, to commit more crime. And, and, and this is funny because it reminded me of, of another incident in the Bible where, you know, the people of Israel eventually after, I don't know, it, it, enough abuse, abuse even, they could get used to the abuse. Wow, that, that's amazing. You know, you know? And, and what had happened was that even though God had delivered them out of Egypt, a land of slavery and, and, and subjugation, but, but Egypt was still in them. And, and, and they started to develop, you know, maybe back then there was no Stockholm yet, but maybe they de began to develop an a Egypt syndrome, an Egypt problem. And, and in Numbers, Numbers chapter 11, verse 4 to 6, tell you what, why don't we turn there? Numbers 11, 4 to 6. You know, this is, in my opinion, one of the most hilarious portions of the Bible. Uh, it says this. This is the complaint of the people. It says this in Numbers 11, 4. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, 
who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions. Have you ever craved for onions? They did. That's why it's funny for me. The garlic. But now our whole being is dried up because there are no onions. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. And the Bible is trying to tell us again that because of our fallen nature, uh, the, the, the human nature is so full of sin that even though we could be at one time trapped, kidnapped, abused, you know, beaten, but given enough time, we can develop a Stockholm Syndrome to, to be okay with the subpar. And what had happened was that the children of Israel uh, were slaves in Egypt for 300 years and then God had set them free. But even in the freedom, they started to long for what they used to have. And it's so funny that in their longing for Egypt, they forgot. They could only think of the fish, the onions, the leeks, the melons, the garlic. Strange food cravings, I know. And, and, and forget the slavery. They forget that actually... They were slaves. They were not paid. They were abused. And yet all they could certainly think of due to like a spiritual Stockholm Syndrome was the fish, the melon, the garlic, the leeks, the onions. And forget, and not only forget, despise what was right in front of them. You know, it's so funny that at the end it says that all that we have is just manna. I mean, sometimes we got to pause ourselves and go like, wait a second, they were complaining about bread from heaven? Can you imagine that at one time they were slaves, and, but eventually the, 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 the Stockholm Syndrome got the best of them. And then when God was feeding them bread from heaven, they were complaining that all we have is bread from heaven. Man. You know, and this started to get me thinking about how uh, we, how corruptible we are and how easy it is for us to forget the very good things, the very purpose that God has called us out for. God had called his people out of Egypt for freedom and yet all they could think of is the fish back there. And God was feeding them fresh bread from heaven and, and, and all they had was complaints. And I started to think that, you know what, with this lockdown that's happening, my hope is that we do not develop a spiritual Stockholm Syndrome because the temptation is real. Because if the children of Egypt who were set free, you know, by God through the hand of Moses, through signs and wonders, can forget and begin to sympathize with their years of slavery, what more us? And my hope is that, you know, I know the lockdown is going on and I know that, you know, some countries are easing up, not the UK, unfortunately. And it's easy for us to get jealous of other countries, maybe Australia, New Zealand. But it's also very easy for us to get used to what we're not supposed to get used to. And there are worse things to get used to than cherry coke. We can actually get used to this new status quo. We can actually get used to the lockdown. 
I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, no, 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 nobody is, is getting used to a lockdown, but maybe we are not used to staying at home, but there are other things that we can get used to. And my hope today is to help us to, you know, be mindful of the reality of Stockholm Syndrome and to fight against the temptation to try to water down our fire. And hopefully with this reminder, this will also excite you that, hey, this shall pass. This is not permanent. Don't get used to this. There are three things I want us uh, to always have in our hearts or to have again in our hearts, just in case, you know, we have been hijacked, our spiritual world has been hijacked uh, by the lockdown. And these three points I want to give you today all start with the letter F. And the first one is faith. Faith. Don't let this lockdown, don't let this the season that we're living in rob you of your faith. Now, you might be thinking, you know, I, I, well, I still have faith. I still believe. But what I want to talk to us today goes far more than just believing. My fear is that if we're not careful, because we are right now being locked down and every day we are feeding ourselves, it can't help it. But, you know, we're feeding ourselves with news, with facts and, and with sciences and nothing wrong with all that. But if we're not careful, that can become our new craving. That can become our new appetite. And instead of desiring boldness and courage in God, we can slowly get used to playing it safe. We can get used to comfort. And, and, and I want to remind us again today that God has called us to live by faith, not by sight. You know, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says this, For we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by news reports. We live by faith, not by what BBC or, or, or the latest medical report tells us our feelings are not dictated by the statistics. Our feelings are not dictated by the daily government briefings. We are meant to live by faith and not by sight. And what does living by faith mean? And I just feel the strong urge to remind us again, living by faith is not just believing. Faith is not just believing. Faith is about devoting our lives to God. Faith, can I write it down? As I was drinking cherry coke, the Lord began to speak this message to me. I know that's a strange genesis and the Holy Spirit began to form these words. Can I write something I believe is from the Holy Spirit to all of us? Faith is saying, Lord, the good, the bad, the ugly, it is all yours. I am willing to do what you're asking of me. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to go. And I don't want us to, in this lockdown, think we have faith, but actually what we have is comfort. You know, faith is not just about tuning in to church online. Faith is not just about having more teaching. Faith 
is about having courage. You cannot spell faith without courage. Courage to pick yourself up again. Courage to keep going on. Courage to believe. Courage to hope. Abraham was courageous. So courageous that he left his family when God called him. So courageous that he was willing to sacrifice his son when God commanded it. So courageous that even though he was old and he knew that his body had dried up, he still by faith courageously believed God that through God and in him, God can birth nations. Courage. And I don't want us to confuse comfortable faith with courageous faith. There's only one type of faith and that kind of faith is courageous. You know, if you don't believe me, let me give you another scripture. This is my favorite scripture. Those of you who have been asked long enough, you know this is mine. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified in Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Let me read that one more time. I live by faith in the Son of God. Not live in comfort. Not live in safety. Not live and have my feelings dictated by the daily briefings. And I, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. I hope that after all this lockdown is done, we won't be afraid to hug people again. I hope that we won't be afraid to engage with people again. You know, I hope that the moment the church is allowed to meet again, that we would cherish every Sunday and rush to meet in person again. You know, because the thing is this, we can get used to fear. We can get used to playing it safe. Maybe you're saying that, no, I've overcome fear. You know, because Pastor Ken has preached an amazing message on overcoming fear. Yeah, yeah, but maybe you've overcome fear, but, or maybe you just changed the name of fear. And now it's called comfort and safe. And my fear, <laughs> if I can use it that way, is that when we are allowed to meet again, that there'll be many of us who will say that, you know what, I think, I know, I know, I think pastor's been too crazy. I don't think it's safe yet. Let's play it safe. Well, I'm here to remind you, I'm not built. I'm not called by God to play it safe. I'm called by God to live by faith. And don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that I throw my brain out the window. No, when we have to be safe, we have to be safe, but, but I still want to have faith. And if it comes between safety and having faith, I will always choose faith. I will always choose what God tells us to do. Because scripture says that the life that I now live, I live in the Son of God. I want you to know that Jesus was no coward. Jesus was no scaredy cat. And, and, and if I were to live this life that I still have to live, this lockdown will pass and we have lived a new season. I want to live not in fear of a second wave. I want to live by faith. I want to live by faith. You know, still wanting to impact the world. Still wanting to love people. Still, I will still lay hands. I will still shake hands because I'm built. I've been called. We've been called to live by faith. And that is something that I hope we will never allow the current status quo to rob us off. I pray that we will not develop a Stockholm Syndrome for comfort and safety and playing it safe. I hope that we will always put scripture, you know, as the deciding factor of our lives and not our feelings 
or even necessarily what science says. Again, I clarify, I'm not asking us to be ignorant or foolish, but you know what I'm saying. Everything we deal with is a spirit. You know, we do not reject facts, but we reject sometimes what the, 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 the spirit behind facts, what they're trying to do. Uh, trying to maybe, you know, stifle our enthusiasm. So many people are, are, are saying, oh, what if a second wave? What if a second wave? You know, I, I reject that. I say that my God can heal and he is healing. I thank God for the, for the infection rates that are coming down and I declare complete healing. You know, that's what faith is. And I pray that we will not become double-minded Christians because the thing is this, Stockholm Syndrome, spiritual Stockholm Syndrome, it can deceive us into thinking that we're having faith when we're actually being double-minded. Amen. So I pray that through this time, you know, you'll reject uh, uh, what the spirit of fear is and say, God, I still want to live by faith. I want to love by faith. <laughs> I want to engage. The world is, is, is hurting like never before. Oh, and the world needs the church of God. And may we not shrink back, but begin to have be bold and courageous to engage with the world around us. Amen. Praise God. Second point is this, the fear of God. First point, don't ever let spiritual Stockholm Syndrome hijack your faith and don't let your comfort hijack the fear of God in your life. Amen. The fear of God. I know you might be thinking the fear of God. You know, oh, that sounds scary and serious, but you know what? It is, it is a powerful, liberating thing. As, as, as I told you, as I was preparing this message, I just felt God says that, you know what? Teach my church, remind my church again to never lose sight of, of, of fearing me. And I know it sounds a strange thing, but let me explain to you. You know, the fear of God is not some irrational fear. In fact, the Hebrew word for fear is yirah. And yirah means to be reverential, to be very respectful, uh, and to be in awe. That means to worship. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I do know, and I, and I thank you for tuning in to Church Online. And, and, and Church Online is one of those things that I feel God speaking to us. Um, that we shouldn't stop doing, even when we can meet back physical. I don't know how that will look like. Maybe that means that we have to buy some equipment. Maybe that means that we're going to have a new ministry, some, some people who will operate cameras. Uh, but I do realize that, you know, Church Online is helping us reach people. And it's a good thing. I love the fact that now people can, can come to homes via Zoom. I, I hope that we don't just go to homes via Zoom. But in the future, when we can meet for homes in physical, uh, you know, in a physical way again, that those that live far away, those who might have a late uh, a day at work, uh, previously they would just say that, no, oh, I can't join you. But maybe now with Zoom and technology, people can say, hey, I'll, I'll still be home, but I'll be late. Or, or I'll still be home, but I'll be Zooming in as I'm working overtime uh, at home or at work. I, I still want to be there. And I zoom, I'm going to zoom in to pray. And those are all good things. And I thank you for tuning in. But I, I hope that the casual nature, and let's admit it, church online is more casual. You know, whether you were standing or sitting during worship, I don't know. 
but what I think I do know that it's casual. I'm not surprised if even right now as I'm speaking, some people are sitting down having a cup of coffee and watching me. Nothing wrong with that. But I pray that the casualness of the status quo right now will not rob us from the fear of God. When I think of the fear of God, I do not think of being fearful of God, but I think of not wanting to disappoint God. I'm reminded when I think of the word fear of God, that God is deserving of my respect. And, 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 and the word yirah is to, be, to have reverential awe, to be reverential and to be in awe in worship. And, and I don't want to sour your day, but how was worship today? And I'm not talking about how did the band do, I'm talking about how did you do? Only you know, did you give your all? Or were you just casually clapping along? Or were you just putting on in the background as you were doing dishes? Or, or, or worse yet, maybe you know, you're watching this from the future, not live right now, and, 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 and during the worship part, you were just put, you, worse, you skipped through it. <laughs> because now we're streaming live, you can't fast forward, but maybe you're watching one day, Later, you can just skip and get to the part that I like. May we never, may we never allow this status quo. Don't get me wrong. Technology, streaming is good, but don't let it rob you. Don't let it steal the fear of God away from you. Do you know that it's possible to both love God and fear Him? You know, that the, the example I give all the time is, is in my relationship with Cat. I'm not ashamed to say this, but I both love her and I'm also afraid of her. I know some people might think, oh, that's not very much. I don't care. I'm not afraid that she's going to hurt me. I'm afraid of disappointing her. I don't ever want to, I want to love her. But at the same time, in my love for her, I, I also don't want to disappoint her. And I'm fearful that I will. I don't want to take her for granted. I'm fearful that I can. I don't want to hurt her. And I'm fearful that I unknowingly do. And so I find that when you really, really, really are into someone, your love for that person is not just love. There is a healthy element of fear. And when I think of the fear of God, I'm thinking, God, I love you. And at the same time, I don't want to disappoint you. God, I love you, but at the same time, I don't want to take you for granted. God, I love you, but I don't ever want to love you so much that I take you for granted, that I become too casual, that I forget that you are not just Jesus, my best friend, but you are also Lord Jesus, my Savior. And, and I don't want to ever love God so much that I take holy living for granted. And think that, oh, God's just in the business of forgiving my sins. No, God's also in the business of, of, of purifying me. And, and part of my worship to God is seriousness. And part of my worship to God is holy living. Part of my worship to God is, is improving myself and giving God my best. You know, have we allowed, you know, all this... To rob the fear of God, I pray no. I pray no. Let me, let me read you some things that I wrote down. When I think of the fear of God. Oh, let me, let me read you another scripture. 
right? Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Just in case you're thinking, where is this coming from? Matthew 10, verse 28. You might be thinking the fear of God sounds like a very Old Testament teaching, but this is Jesus' teaching in Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him, fear God, who can destroy both body, soul, in hell. Wow, there's such a funny departure from the usual Jesus. You know, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers. Be afraid of God. Be very, very afraid. And that is, that is what we need to balance as Christians. Yes, you know, God is love, but I must also fear him. You know, Jesus was fully God and fully man. I think it is absolutely possible, in fact, important, pivotal for us to 100% love God and to 100% be in awe, be in reverence of Him. Amen. You know, and not just that. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instructions. This is Proverbs. Right, so if you want to, if you want to know stuff, if you want to have a good beginning, Proverbs says, Proverbs one, first, Proverbs knocks it out by the park and says that if you're coming to God looking for wisdom, know that wisdom starts by fearing God. In fact, Proverbs, you know, the I think thirty chapters of Proverbs, you know, there are, there are more than twenty references to fear God, fear the Lord, fear God, fear. Well, when twenty out of thirty tells you to fear God, you know that it's important, but it's not just Old Testament important that. That there is great joy, there is great freedom, there is great love in fearing God. You know, I also personally believe that the times that we're living in, God is actually using this pandemic, this lockdown, uh, as a wake-up call for His church. You know, I'm always reminded that God doesn't always move in ways where we expect Him to move. You know, even when Jesus was walking face-to-face with people here on earth, so many people rejected Him for being the Son of God and being the Messiah because they expected a king. But God came in the form of a carpenter. They expected Jesus to be conquering and defeating the Romans, yet Jesus did conquer and he did defeat, but it was a much more evil empire than the Roman Empire. It was called the Empire of Sin and Death. And I'm reminded again that God doesn't always move like how we imagine him to move. And so what if, what if we are right now living in the great end times revival where the gospel is more available than ever before thanks to the internet, where every church is broadcasting information online, where more people are praying than ever before, at least I hope so. You know, what if God is using this as a wake-up call? And I do believe it for both Christians and the church to rise up and to begin to repent and begin to reach out? What if God is using the, the, the pandemic to show that science can't be trusted and using the pandemic to show that there's still racial injustice and that all men are sinful and in desperate need of a savior? What if this is the wake-up call. What if this is the end-time harvest? And when I think of that, I think of the fear of God because when I think of the fear of God, I also think of living life with urgency. And I pray that we will not be so comfortable with just tuning in to church that we forget 
that we were meant to make disciples, that we forget that, yes, love God with your all. And maybe that's another question. How was your worship? <laughs> Did you love God with your all this morning? But we also need to love our neighbor. That's, that's the fear of God. To not just do in part, but to do completely. And God says, if you love me, love me your all and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm reminded again, the urgency that we're living in, that we're living in also an age where more people are dying and death, at least to Christians, shouldn't spark fear because we don't need to be afraid of death. Jesus has paid the price. But we need to have our hearts broken for every life that passes away and a reminder that the time is ticking down and that we need to work while it is still day. Fear of God. Point number three is this. Let me read you. I just, I just sat down and I saw something I wrote. Let, let me just finish point number two of this. Do not let the casualness of church online hijack you away from fearing God. Point number three. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. How do you fight against the Stockholm Syndrome? Ask God for fresh fire. Let me write this down. Something that God has spoke to me about. As I told you, um, during this lockdown, not only are we doing church online, but God is also preparing me to believe again to trust again, to go to Him again for how and what church will look like when we can meet face to face. And I'm reminded by God, it says that the, don't look back. That the, when we can meet again, don't look back and try to recreate what you used to have. And I'm reminded that by this because even with the lockdown happening now, you know, everything is changing, you know. And one of the things that uh, is most changed and most impacted is student ministry. And, and I love reaching out to campus students and, and we have campus students in all of our church plants here. Uh, but I'm hearing news. Universities are saying we're not sure when are we going to start. Cambridge, Cambridge of all places is saying that uh, we might just do the first year online Cambridge. Okay, imagine whether people will be, other universities will be falling soon. I'm thinking, well, Cambridge is, is, is putting stuff online. Let's put stuff online. And I'm thinking, will that affect students from actually flying in? Will, will, will the first year of university this year in September just be, you know, virtual learning? And then people are kind of like tuning in from different countries, even though they're studying in the UK. I can't help but think about this. I can't help but think that, no, will that be a reduce in students that we can reach out to and, and will our strategies need to change, etc., etc.? And I'm reminded by God, don't look back. Don't look back at your experience. Don't look back at last year and, and think, how can I recreate last year? Don't look back, look to Him. In fact, don't just look to Him. But God gave me this, and I, I don't want to read it out to you because I feel that this applies not just to me, but to everyone here. The end of the lockdown, I feel the Holy Spirit say, the end of the lockdown 
is not a finish line. It is the starting line. I'm going to read it all the time. The end of the lockdown is not the finish line. It is the starting line. And God is saying that, you know, it's time to start again. It's time to, to do church differently. It is time to look to me again. It is time to press the refresh button again. It is a starting line. Don't look to recreate what you used to have, but look to creating something new. And then to do that, I got to go to God. To, to, to build God a, 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 a church 2.0, or church 2020 2.0, maybe that's what God wants to do this year. I got to go to God. And not just go to God. But I need fresh fire. And so I want to read some scripture. Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. Jesus teaches us this parable, this example about the new wine skin. Nor do they put new wine. Sorry, this is Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. Nor do they put new wine into old wine skin, or else the wine skins break and the wine is spilled and wine skins uh, are, are ruined. But they put new wine into new wine skins and both are preserved. Not only do we need fresh fire, new wine, but we also need to be new wine skins. And one of the things about fire is that fire purifies and fire reveals. The only positive thing about fire is that it purifies and it reveals. You cannot get gold without fire. You cannot, you, you cannot. And God is saying that I, I know fresh fire is needed, but I also need my people to be purified by that fire first because new wine cannot be put into old wine skin. Would you allow God's fire to check your heart so that we become new wine skin so that when church reopens again, we're not going forward with old wine skin. The wine skin of lockdown cannot survive the fresh fire of the future. And I want us to use this time because the thing is this, Stockholm Syndrome can just after a while go like, you know what, you know, why, why can't we, you know, stay the same? And my fear is that after a while, uh, we we just get used to church online and we just want to have it easy. And But God is saying, no, 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 no. What you had, the faith, the growth, the, 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 the worship you gave God during church on lockdown, that cannot survive when we meet again. God is deserving new praise, new fire, and we got to be new wineskins and I'm reminded again in, in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2 you go back and read Acts chapter 2 I'm running out of time but basically the disciples after Jesus resurrected they convened with Jesus set his feet learned 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 and when Jesus ascended they did not immediately rush out to do ministry even though ministry was important but they sat there, they gathered and they prayed and they sought the Lord until the day of Pentecost happened in Acts chapter 2. In other words, they did not go forward until they received fresh fire from heaven. 
And, and, and think about this for a while. What did they have before that? The teachings of Jesus. What did they have before that? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. What did they have before that? Jesus as preacher, teacher, cell group leader, senior pastor. You know, how many of you will feel like I can take on the world if Jesus was your senior pastor? How many of you will feel that you're so blessed if Jesus was your home leader? You know, how, how many of you will feel like you are, you are, you know, the, the, you, you, you're the best Christian in the whole world if Jesus is your personal mentor and your personal coach? And yet, despite having all of that, Jesus as mentor, coach, teacher, pastor, preacher, friend, the disciples didn't think of just rushing out there. Instead, they waited for fresh fire, new wine. And not only new wine, but the new wine to transform them. And go back, read Acts chapter 2, Tongues of fire came down and then boldness entered them. And the Peter that stood up to preach in chapter 2 was a new Peter. That wasn't the Peter that betrayed Christ and ran away. That wasn't even the Peter that fell on his ground and worshipped Jesus. That wasn't even the Peter that Jesus restored. That was the Peter that the Holy Spirit baptised. And so I want us not to let the current status quo create some sort of false sense of security and comfort zone around us and hijack our spiritual walk. But let's begin to say, God, God, I, I, I thank you for the grace that you've given us in this time of lockdown where we can still meet in church, that I can still serve, I can still receive. But God, I want faith. God, I want faith, fresh faith. Faith that says to the future, future, I'm not afraid of you. Future, whatever comes, the good, the bad, the ugly, God, I know it's all from you. And I'm going to go out there and love the people I need to love and, and hold the people I need to hold and do what I need to do. And we want to be people that fear God. People who are not take Never take God for granted. Never take his love for granted. And people who will act with urgency. People who fear God enough to go like, maybe this is what God has been preparing me for. So I'm going to go out there and going to do my part to bring in the end time harvest. And of course, fresh fire. Fresh fire. Don't forget the new season ahead of us is not the finish line, it is the starting line. And that starting line needs new fire in your bones to ignite you so that we can run. Remember the life of the disciples. They had Jesus and it's great to have Jesus, but they sat until they had fresh fire from heaven, from the Holy Spirit. And then the world was truly never the same again. If that is God's formula, then it is God's formula now. And I pray that we will, we will rise up as a church. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Would you allow me to pray? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for all that you are doing. And Lord, I pray right now that you will, you will remove this spiritual Stockholm Syndrome. You will, you will not allow uh, the current status quo to make us too comfortable. Help us not to love that which is passing, but help us to love you and to desire the new. Lord, help us to not forget faith. 
Help us not to be so comfortable checking the statistics, checking the facts, following the, 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 the orders given by the news that we forget what it really means to live by faith. Help us not to let our emotions continue to be hijacked by the stats, but help us to live by faith. Help us to live with a healthy fear of you. Help us to love you and fear you and fear disappointing you. Help us to live with urgency and, and, and realize that what's happening right now is a wake-up call from you. And Lord, we don't want to be a church that slumbers. We want to be a church that's awake, a church that's on the watch, a church that fears you and desires to honor you. And last but not least, Lord, help us, Lord, to desire fresh fire. Give us fresh fire. Fresh fire. If the apostles and the first church didn't launch out until they received fresh fire, not just fresh fire, allow the fresh fire to change them. Lord, change us. Make us new wineskins with your fresh fire. Lord, allow us to spend uh, the remainder time of this lockdown. And we believe that it's going to end soon. But before it ends, help us to check our hearts and help us to work on, on, on being who you want us to be. Help us to change in ways that you want us to change. Help us to glorify you. Lord, I'm, as I'm preaching this, I'm preaching to myself. Lord, help me to change. Lord, I want to be a new wineskin for you. Lord, I want to be a new wineskin for you. Lord, use us, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you, church. God bless you. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.